This is Jamie Newberg with The Athletic, and you are listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Hey, this is Ricky Venasco with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I'm your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is Brett Campbell. Brett Campbell is a Texas Ranger scout, and he's joining us. He's out of Florida. He's going to talk about some of the guys he signed, talk about life as a scout and his time in baseball, how he got started in it. We're going to do all of that right after this. This is Kyle Cody of the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. All right, everybody, and welcome to Rangers Nation's podcast. I'm your host, The Recliner Nerd. Today's episode is Brett Campbell. And for any nerd out there that likes anything about baseball, you know that it all starts in the scouting department. Brett's an amateur scout. He'll tell us where he scouts at. He's in the Florida area. But, Brett, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. No problem, John. I'm excited to be here and talk a little baseball. Man, this this to me is exciting. I have I have uh, you, you talk about different things you'd love to do if you'd have been in baseball. I played baseball growing up and all of that. Uh, scouting would have been one of them. I, I would have loved to have done that growing up. But let me ask you this: I want to get before we get into scouting. I want to I want to talk a little bit about you. So why don't you tell us where you're born and where you grew up? Yeah, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from actually Douglasville, Georgia, a little west of Atlanta. Uh, grew up there. Uh, went to the University of Georgia out of high school. Uh, played there for a year and a half. Um, we ended up having a coach and change. We ended up playing at junior college for a couple of years. I ended up at Kennesaw State. Uh, got drafted out of Kennesaw State uh, in 2004. Uh, got drafted in the 34th round. Uh, pitched for the Washington Nationals for about four, four and a half years with, with a short time in the big leagues in 2006. Yeah, we're going to get into all of that. So, Douglas Fields, where you grew up in the high right. school you went to. Any right. other sports? You play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played them all. You know, I played football and basketball in high school. Uh, I, I, was, I really liked football. I wish I was a little bit bigger. I'm only about 5'11", 6 foot. So, I <laughs> wish I was like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, uh, wasn't quite that big, so uh, I kind of settled on baseball. I like football better, but kind of settled on baseball. That's funny. I'm I'm a, I'm only about five nine, but I was uh, I played. Uh, I'm older than you too by a lot, but I I uh, I ended up, I played football and baseball in Duncanville, Texas, which is kind of a big school here in Texas. But so okay. tell us about college. So you went you know you went to Georgia. Were you were you highly recruited out of high school? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a good player out of high school. I was, I was, I was a shortstop, you know, I didn't really pitch that much. So, you know, I was, I was recruited to play shortstop. I got there and played behind a guy named Jeff Keppinger who played in the big leagues for a long time. Uh, so I wasn't getting to play much. Uh, after my first year, we had a coaching change. Uh, so, you know, I decided to kind of go a different route. Um, you know, they, they wanted me to pitch, uh, but I thought I was a, I thought I was a shortstop and a hitter. Um, <laughs> It, it took me about two or three years to figure out that I probably wasn't quite as good as a shortstop as I thought I was. So finally, <laughs> my last year of college, I, I pitched 20 innings um, and got drafted as a pitcher uh, and ended up two years later pitching in the big league. So uh, I wasn't quite as good as an infielder as I thought I was. Uh, but luckily, I was uh, I was able to settle on pitching down the road. Now, now, did you have any other offers from any D1 schools besides Georgia? Yeah, no, I, you know, I could have went to a couple different places for sure. Um, you know, I, I could have went to, you know, Georgia Tech, Georgia, 
Um, you know, I ended up Kennesaw State was somewhere that I was looking at where I ended up, you know, down the road. So, yeah, there's a couple of places I could have went. But, you know, Georgia was a school that I, you know, grew up loving. I still love them, even though I didn't graduate from there. So it yeah. kind of was a dream school. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I didn't go to UT, but being from Texas, that you always pick one of the big schools, and I was a UT right. fan growing right. up. Now, okay, so you drafted in the 34th round. I got that yeah. here. Let, let me ask something. Back then, so this 2006, was that when you were drafted? No, 2004. no. 2004. It's 2006 yeah. you made your debut. So 2004, you're drafted. It's not like today. How did you find out you got drafted? Well, I mean, it's kind of a funny story, I mean, because – I didn't even really feel like it was the Montreal Expos that draft. It was the very last Montreal Expos draft before they moved to Washington, D.C. Um, so I, I didn't even fill out anything for those guys. I didn't even really know that they had any interest whatsoever. Um, you know, I had a couple teams that were interested, I thought. And, you know, I followed it online. It's not anything like it was today. And it started getting late, and I just kind of turned it off and didn't think it was going to happen. And then, uh, luckily, I got, I got a phone call, and they said, hey, we drafted you. Um, you know, it wasn't for much, but, you know, I was, I was excited to have the opportunity. I said, hey, man, let's do it. Now, re, did you notice whether – you're a scout. Did you notice other scouts at your game? I mean, obviously, Kennesaw State, I mean, that's not – is that Division Two? What is that? It's, it was D2 then. It's D1 now. But when I was there, it was D2. But, you know, I, was, I, think, I think any baseball player, you, you just know when a scout's there. You know, usually for the most part, you know, it's a little bit different in the summer. We have to we have to wear pants. But during the summer when it's really, really hot and we're going to some of the stuff that allow us to wear shorts. But you know, when it's when it's in Atlanta or, you know, and it's it's 90 degrees outside and you see a guy with some pants on and maybe he's got a stopwatch, <laughs> you got a pretty good idea that there's a scout there. So you might need to turn your, you know, you might need to turn your game up a little bit. So I think all players know when a scout's there, even if you try to hide and you know, believe me. I try to hide myself sometimes, but I, I just think that that's something that, you know, we're, we're easily picked out. Now, did any of your other uh, teammates at Kennesaw, were any of them drafted? You know, we had guys, and not that year, but at Kennesaw, we've had somebody drafted for, oh gosh, it's been 15, 16 years in a row. You know, we had a couple first rounders drafted out of there. So wow. it's, it was a really good program. Um, you know, the funny story is, is our regional cross checker, Ryan Coe, was my, actually my assistant coach at Kennesaw. And our area scout in, in Georgia, Derek Tucker, was my catcher at Kennesaw. So we have three guys that have Kennesaw State ties that, that are working for the Rangers. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. We're called the, we're called the Kennesaw Mafia. <laughs> okay, so now you made your major league debut, and I saw you, you were only up for about a month, maybe three weeks, yeah, something yeah, like I got, that. Yeah, September call-up. September call-up. I don't care. You you played in the big leagues. You threw one one point one innings. You are a stud yeah, to me. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You played in the big yeah. leagues. So let me ask you this. So you get yeah. called up. Tell me about that call. What happened? Where were you when you got the call and you were told? Yeah, you know, I started the I started the year in A ball. Believe it or not, I I had pitched really good the year before, um, and then I started the year in A ball, and I just kind of kept pitching good. They moved me up to Double A, pitched well there, moved me up to Triple A. I uh, was pitching pretty good there. And then we uh, we actually traded some guys at the at the deadline that year. So we had some guys in the pen that got traded away. So uh, September came and I had been throwing the ball good. And, you know, the, they called me up and, you know, people, you know, say, hey, what, what's it like? And making it to the big leagues and being there is, is, is everything that everybody says it is, it's even better. So, I mean, everybody talks about what's it like. I mean, it was amazing. It's, it's the best experience in the world. I mean, they treat you. You know, they treat you like gold. You know, you eat good. 
You're treated <laughs> well. You're stuck. I mean, it's it, it, there's. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world other than my kids. Yeah. I, oh no, I I get it. So were you? Did, did you have an inkling it might happen, or did you get called in the office? No, no, I had no clue. I had no clue. Um, you know, I, I they called me in. I actually, I was in the bullpen that night, um, and they had me throw a bull. They they told me to get up and and just throw a pin. You know, which I thought was kind of weird because I've been closing games and 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 you know getting some saves here and there. So. I thought it was kind of weird, but I didn't really think anything about it. You know, I was one of the youngest guys on the team, and I hadn't, I'd only been playing pro ball for two years. So right. didn't really think anything about it. You know, went in to eat, and they kind of called me into the office. And to be honest with you, I was more worried about them sending me back to double-A than calling me up. So I was like, oh, <laughs> no, man, what's going to happen? But, you know, they, they told me, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty special. Now, let me think, 2006 – uh, cell phones were they around? I mean, probably. Oh yeah, more. oh yeah, cell phones were around. Yeah. So were you yeah. calling? Did the whole family go up to to wherever you go? Where did yeah, you? Where no. did you? Where'd you play at? Were you? Was it in Washington or were you? Yeah, for a day I flew straight to Washington. You know, the first person I called was my dad because you know, obviously, you know, my dad's coached high school baseball and football in Georgia for thirty five years. You know, I grew up in the dugout with him, and you know, we put a lot of time in it together, and. Uh, he was the first person I called, but he, he's an early riser. So it was, it was late. So I didn't actually get a chance to talk to him to the next day. So I called my mom and, uh, called my brother and, uh, yeah. And then I flew the very next day, man, I packed my stuff up and I was on a plane to Washington, DC. And, uh, that was the old RFK. They weren't in the new stadium then. And the stadium wasn't that nice, but you know, it was still pretty, it was still pretty neat. Now you were up for what, a couple weeks? Is that? Yeah, I was up 30 days, 30 days. I think I pitched four and a third innings. I ended up making my debut in Coors Field. Uh, which is really cool. Coors Field is awesome. Um, you know, my, the very first hitter I faced was Todd Helton. Oh, my God. I'm a huge Todd Helton fan, you know, being from Georgia and, you know, him being, you know, playing quarterback at Tennessee and playing at Tennessee. And I was a huge Todd Helton fan. So, uh, you know, I had, to, I had to shake the nerves off on that one. You know, I, I probably knew Todd Helton uh, probably more, you know, better than a lot of the guys. Well, maybe not since he was such a good player, but I just grew up knowing about him. So, it was, yeah, I had to get my nerves settled for that one for sure. <laughs> What did he do against you? Yeah, I went 3-0 on him real quick. You know, I wasn't anywhere <laughs> close. I was throwing balls to the backstop in warm-ups. Uh, you know, it wasn't very good. But in three, he swung 3-0 uh, and popped a bit. It was about eye-high. I think he was, you know, the game was kind of out of reach. They were just trying to get my feet wet. And mm -hmm. he popped one up on the infield. So I was just like, thank you, Todd. I, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to welcome you the way he, he, he was. He, yeah, yeah, he was trying to welcome me by sending one out into those stands. I knew what he was trying to do. I'm just glad that I threw it so high he couldn't get hold of it. <laughs> okay, so after baseball, we know you went into coaching before you got into scouting. Tell yeah, us about yeah, that. yeah. I started coaching. You know, I kind of always thought that that's what I would do. You know, my dad's done it for a long time. And, um, you know, I coached in, in junior college. Uh, I was the head coach at Georgia Perimeter College, which is a little junior college right outside of Atlanta. Um, I coached, you know, there for, you know, four or five years. Um, and then, you know, once I, I got the chance to take, you know, get the interview with the Nash, uh, with uh, the Rangers, um, I just I just couldn't pass it up, being able to, you know, get into that organization and be able to work for Kip. Uh, it's just an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. Okay, so let, I, I want to ask that. So how did your relationship begin with the Rangers? What started it? Yeah, no, it was knowing it was the guys that I knew from college, Ryan Coe and Derek Tucker. Uh, you know, Ryan was, they were both already working for the Rangers and they kind of got me the interview. Um, so just knowing those guys, it really didn't have anything to do with, you know, the fact that I played or, or knowing anybody in the Rangers organization other than Ryan and Derek. Um, they kind of got me the interview and, you know, I'm super appreciative of that. And I uh, went in there and I guess I did pretty good in the interview. And, you know, Kip called me a couple of days later and offered me the job. 
So, okay, so let me ask you this. That first year, who's the first kid that you ever – well, not the first year, but just the first kid you ever drafted that – or that you scouted that y'all ended up drafting? Do you remember who it was? That's the, that's the best story. Other than probably, you know, for Ricky, it's probably the best story is Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore was the seventh rounder out of UCF, uh, University of Central Florida. He's the very first guy that I ever drafted. Uh, he was a senior sign. We paid him $10,000, and he's in the big leagues right now with Seattle. He hit a home run against us the other night. He's hitting about Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's hitting about 300 with some home runs. So uh, the very first guy that I ever drafted was a senior sign guy for we only ten grand, and he's playing in the big league. So that's, you know, that's a pretty cool story. Did we, did we trade him to Seattle? Or did... Yeah, no, we traded him to Atlanta. Uh, we traded him for some international money. We were trying – it was back when we were trying to sign Otani. Oh, yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah, we yeah. Trying okay. to get a little international money. And he, uh, you know, I think he went to, you know, Atlanta and then Milwaukee, but then Seattle signed him, and he's been up playing really well for them. Hey, I watched it the other night. He has yeah. done well. He's doing, he's, he's, batting, he's batting up high in the, in the lineup, too. Yeah, it's, I think it's his second. Yeah, yeah he's, he's his second. Um, okay, so, okay, so that's one. So how many players have you, have, have you scouted that are in the big leagues? Yeah, that's the only one. That's, That's the only, only one. one so far. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The only thing. And I, I think I've been with the Rangers five years. So, I, you know, I've got a couple that I think are getting close. You know, Ricky's getting close. So, you know, unfortunately, I've had some guys that have really been bitten by the injury bug, unfortunately. We're going you know? to talk about them. Yeah, you've so got a couple I, that are really big. I mean, look, as a guy that – I, it's not like when I was young as a Ranger fan. We know a lot about these prospects. Now I do a prospect right. top 20 list I do. Right. I looked over some of your guys. I've had three or four of them on there. I became friends with Ricky, met yeah. Ricky. That's a that's one kid right there. But yeah, you've had some bad luck there. But you had one. Dylan's been yeah. in the big leagues, so yeah. we'll we'll talk about that. So um, okay, of your current crop, you've got Deese. Uh, th this is who I have. You got Ryan Deese, Enright. Right. right. You've got Cole Reagans. That's one that's injury bug. So's Deese. Um, Chris Cease. Now that's a kid right there that I've had my eye on. I've. Right. I've actually predicted a couple of times that when Elvis moves on, that might be the kid that takes his place right, right. there. Uh, Xavier Valentin. This is the only one I didn't really know the name, Xavier, and Ricky. Now, who have I forgotten? Uh, you know, I saw David LeBron was a, was a late-round pick out of the University of Tampa that we traded to Baltimore last year. Um, you know, he, he pitched in the he – people again, we paid him $1,000 in about the 22nd round. He was pitching in the fall league last year. So – He's a guy that we drafted. Now, Valentin's not mine. I think he's from Puerto Rico, um, so he he's not mine. But uh, I think I think that's about. I think I think he hit all of them. Hit all of them. So where are Deese and Reagan's right now? I know they've had Tommy John. In fact, Reagan's had his second. Yeah. COVID's kind of ruined, and we don't know where they are. Where are they at now? Are they back? Are they yeah, yeah, they're both back throwing. Deese looks really good. You know, I've heard some really good things come from him. His body looks great. He's back throwing. He should be back throwing, hopefully, uh, when they have some type of, uh, you know, fall uh, league or whatever they're going to do. And, 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 and Reagan's is actually back throwing as well. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that both those guys come back strong. You know, both those guys got a chance to be special. Now, do you keep up with the kids you draft? I know they all come. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, y'all, you, you stay up with them while they're going through? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things about the Rangers organization that's so awesome is, you know, they, they want us to stay in touch with those guys. You know, we, we build relationships with those kids in high school or in college. We get to know them. We get to know their family. Um, you know, a lot of teams, once, you know, they move on to pro ball, they kind of want the scouts to kind of back off. They want, you know – they want their development guys to get their hands on them and be the people that they talk to where, 
you know, the Rangers want us to stay in touch with them, you know, and, and that's the way it should be. Cause I, you know, I know those kids better than, you know, than anybody, especially at the beginning, you know, often scout some of them two, three years and, you know, got to know them, uh, got to know their families. Uh, so yeah, I stay in touch with them as best I can. You know, it's been tough with all, you know, everything that's been going on, uh, you know, with, with this Corona stuff lately, but yeah, I'm usually the first one. And when they have a good game, I'm usually the first one to text them and say, good job, you know, checking in on them, make sure they're doing okay. So, you know, that's something that the Rangers want us to do. And I think that that's something that's, you know, really special about us. Now, okay, so let's talk about Cease. Now, Cease got injured last – just a freak accident, diving back yeah, to second yeah. base. Right. Was he ready to go this year? Yeah, he's ready. He's ready, and he looks phenomenal too. You know, he, you know he's a guy that, you know, you guys do a good job of kind of hitting on, but I think he's probably somebody that not enough people know about, and it's just the fact he's been hurt. Right. You know, you're talking about a guy that comes out of the same mold as, you know, a Machado or Correa. You know, that he's got that type of talent. You know, this guy's 6'4" you know, 225 pounds, you know, he's a 70 runner. He's got 70 raw power. You know, he had a 70 arm in high school and arms coming back now, you know, I always thought he was going to be a plus defender at shortstop. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying this because he's mine. And if, when this guy gets healthy and he plays like he can, I think he's the best prospect in our organization. Uh, you know what? And you're not the only one. Do you know Jamie Newberg? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. So Jamie, so I, I'm kind of the poor man's Jamie, how I got into all of this. Jamie right. and I have become friends. He's been on the podcast. We live kind of close to each other. But Jamie hit on Cease, and I started following. Last year, Cease was tearing it up before yeah, he got right. hurt. I mean, he right. was doing really well. Yeah. And he's so special. And he's, I didn't realize he was 6'4". So, he's, well, a big, he's a big guy, man. Will he stay at short, you think? Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Because, he, you know, he, like I said, he's a plus runner. He's got a plus arm. You know, he, there's no doubt he's going to stay short. So I've been mean, find guys that, that can, you know, that are that big, um, that can hit the ball that far and they can stay at that position. You just don't find guys like that. And when you do, uh, if you look up, those are the guys in the big leagues that are superstars. What he was a first rounder, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the first rounder. He's another good story too. You know, he was the same team as Cole Enright. Um, you know, we took Cole in the third round the year before. Um, so we went in and were watching Cole and, you know, I just kind of started bearing down on Chris as well. You know, he was, you know, not that strong. He was had the good body and he moved good, but he was, you know, he was thin. He needed to get stronger, but he could really throw and he could defend and he had some power. Had a little swing and miss in there. There was some concerns with that. But, you know, we kept going in there and he kept getting better, kept getting better, kept getting better. And we probably had him higher than most teams. Um, but, you know, I, I think we did a heck of a job scouting him. The guys came in and, and, and loved him. And, you know, we all loved him. And I think, you know, once he gets healthy and gets over this, he's, he's going to be – he's going to be a special one. Now, I'm going to skip down to one of these. Who's the kid that uh, – the, the, the strangest one you, you've run into? Now, you know what? Vanasco was drafted what, – what round was 15th, 15th round, yeah. So, tell me about Vanasco. You, you, how did you find him? Yeah, you know, I saw him in the fall. Uh, they do a little, they do a little tournament down here in the fall. Uh, it's called the Diamond Club, and they bring a lot of the best players around. So, you know, I saw him in October of the of the year before he got drafted, and you know, again, he's another guy that he wasn't very strong. Uh, his delivery needs some work, but man, his arm, you know, it was it, he had an unbelievable arm action. The way his arm worked, the way the ball came out when he timed everything up, um, you know, it, it was just a special, special arm. So, I, somebody that kind of trying to you know, just put on my list and said, hey, I need to go back and see this guy. Went back and saw him early in the spring, and he threw the ball well. 
um, and just kind of stayed on him. He had a little injury during the year where, you know, he fell off a four-wheeler and skinned up his hands and didn't pitch for a couple of weeks. And I think that kind of hurt him where some guys maybe didn't go back in and see him again. And I just kind of kept going back in and seeing him. Um, and, you know, he was just somebody he, – he was what we call a gut feel. From the first day I saw him, I was like, this guy's going to be special. Uh, and you know what? He has been. Yeah, and because – now, what, how, how hard was he throwing in high school? You no, know, he was 89-92, 89-92. But, again, he – you know, he was very thin, very thin guy. He didn't have much, you know, he, he didn't spend a lot of time in the weight room. I don't think he had any type of, you know, came from a, a school that had about 400 students total. Yeah, a little school. I remember that. Tiny, you know, and the thing, you know, you didn't have any cell service in the town he came from. You go into the <laughs> town and you couldn't, even, you couldn't even call out, you know. So, uh, you know, he never had anybody really work from, you know, work with him. And I think that's what scared a lot of teams off is, you know, he did a couple of things in his delivery that were kind of a red flag that I think scared some people off. But when you really slowed it down and looked at, you know, what he was doing, uh, everything worked right. And, you know, those few those few pitches during the game that he timed up, you could just say, hey, man, this guy's going to be special. And the thing about Ricky, too, is I, you, you can't get a better combination of what you've got in Ricky. And Ricky's a super confident kid. He's confident in his abilities, but he's coachable. And that's what oh. makes Ricky special is because, you know, usually you've got these kids that are so gifted and so talented and so confident you try to coach them and, and they don't listen. They're not coachable. But, you know, you say, hey, Ricky, you know, we need to do da-da-da-da. He'll be the first one there, last one to leave. Yes, sir, what can I do more? And that's what, that's what makes Ricky special, and that's why he's gotten so good. Let, let me tell you why Ricky moved way up on my list. And, uh, and I, I actually met Ricky and got to talk with him and, and do all that. I went out to spring training and talked to him there. My gosh, every time I talk to him, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, yeah. sir. And I, I was yeah. going, Ricky, you know, I, man, I appreciate your manners. Your, right, your right. parents raised you right, but right, you don't right. have to call me, sir. But he, <laughs> he ain't going to do it. He is going to yeah. continue to call you, sir. Right. He, he is, is a, just he's a good boy. He is just a good kid. And, yeah. man, he's throwing 99, 98, 99 now. Yeah, you know, he, he just keeps getting better. And the thing, another thing about Ricky is, is, you know, they keep putting him in these, you know, situations where, you know, they called down the, you know, the pitching coach came down to watch, the big league pitching coach came down to watch him. You know, everybody came to watch him. And every time that he's put in those situations, he rises to the occasion. He pitches better, you know. And, and that's that's the difference between guys that are in the big leagues that are, you know, superstars and guys that don't make it is, you know, when they're put in those tough situations, are you going to rise up? Or are you are you going to, you know, you're going to raise your game to another level? And Ricky does that every single time. Every single time he's put in that situation, he throws the best that he's thrown. He'll text me. He's like, hey, 96 to 100, 86 to 90 curveball. You know, he just added a slider two or three weeks ago that's been 92, 93 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. He's got to change up. You know, the thing is, is once Ricky, you know, once the command comes and takes another step, you know, I think that's the last, you know, progression in Ricky's game. Once he gets his command where it needs to be, he's got, he's got number one, number two starter type stuff. You know, that he's, it's no doubt. That's what I hear, and I, I knew that Ricky was going to do something, and I felt Ricky was going to be something. But when they put him on the taxi squad, it's yeah. like we, you can't be sitting around. You need to be over here working. And I, I knew right. that wasn't – I know there's talk, oh, you move someone there, maybe they're working trades or doing that. I said, no, they want him to throw the ball right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Ricky – you know, Ricky could have went home back to Florida. Ricky's one of the few guys that stayed in Arizona during the whole, whole time. Thing. The whole time he continued working. You know, I'm getting videos, you know, weekly of what he's doing. 
that guy likes to work, man. I'm telling you, he 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 is going to be a special one. Well, I, 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 so he started following me, and that's how we got to know each other. So he came on the show, and we, we did a show and did all that. I get to spring training, and he's walking by, and I said, I, I saw him. I said, hey, Ricky. He walked over and hugged me, and I was like, yeah. well, hey, I'm a hugger, too. And I'm like, <laughs> right, right. hey, dude, that's awesome. So I'm really pulling for Ricky. I, I just, he, yeah. boy, and you, boy, you're not kidding what a kid he is. Uh, Cole Enright, he's a, is he an infielder? Yeah, you know, the thing about Cole is he can play anywhere. You know, we draft him as a third baseman. He's played a little bit of second. He's playing the outfield a little bit now, too. He's a switch hitter. Um, you know, the thing about Cole can really, really hit, man. He can play multiple positions, and I think that that's pretty valuable now, especially the way the game's going. A guy that the versatility is huge. So not only do you have a switch hitter, uh, but you have a guy that can play multiple positions. And, uh, you know, Cole, you know, he, he was hurt a little bit last year, but – you know, if you add up the number of home runs that he hit and extended while he was hurt with the home runs that he hit during the year, you know, he hit, I think he hit 17, 18 home runs last year. Oh. And I think that that's kind of, you know, it was kind of not looked at because, you know, he did have to spend some time and extended because he was battling back with some arm problems. Um, but the guy can flat out hit and play multiple positions. So he's somebody that I was kind of upset that this year didn't really happen because, you know, he needed He was to ready to go, yeah. You know, Chris Cease needed to play. Ryan Deese needed innings. Um, so, you know, I, I was, you know, we're kind of snake bit right now with all the injuries and, you know, them guys not being able to play has is, is been tough. So when, so let me ask you this. So when Cole and Cole Reagans, when, when season, when we get to normal and let's say 21 starts on time, will he start the year you think, will he be an extended or will he get to start the year? Now we already sounds, it already sounds like Deese will be ready to go when 21 yeah. starts. Yeah. Yeah. Deese will be ready. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about Reagan's to be honest with you, because it, you know, we're in uncharted territory because with you know, the second two, one, two Tommy Johns, you know, usually it takes, you know, 10 to 12 months on one. I think it's more closer to 16, 18 months for the second one. So I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with him, but you know, we're getting to the point now where, you know, he, he's getting older, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be getting into free agency soon. Unfortunately, we're going to have to start making some decisions on that. So, you know, hopefully he can get back and he can start pitching. Well, he's a first rounder and that kid could throw. I mean, there was comparison yeah. to Hamels on that one. Yeah. He had everything that you were looking for, you know, the size, the arm strength, the command, and, you know, he, he had some deception to the fastball thing about Cole Reagan's is, is that you're not going to find a better kid. I mean, I'm talking about, you're talking about makeup, if you can, if you put it on a zero, you know, 20 to 80 scale, the dude had a hundred makeup. I mean, yeah. that's what type of makeup this kid had. He'll outwork anybody. Um, and that's why it's just so sick. And that something like that happened to him because, you know, it, it, it didn't deserve to happen to him because he, believe me, he was putting the work in for it not to happen. Well, his numbers at Spokane before all of that went down the first time were amazing. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. just up there rocking and rolling up there. Okay. So let, let, let's take his, let's go through the draft process. Okay. okay. Um, so what, uh, how do you find a kid? So what, what I mean, there, I know there's different ways. I mean, how do you hear about kids? I mean, let me tell you. And the reason I say that I'm a podcaster right. and I blog and I have had two people contact me to scout their kid. And I have to go, I don't know who you think I am. Right. Nobody in the Ranger. <laughs> I'm, I do have credentials and I get yeah. to go to do that, but no one's going to listen to me. I don't right, know right. how that. So I'm wondering, do you get stuff like that? You have parents, you have a, somebody goes, Hey, you yeah. need to look at this family member. Yeah. Any yeah, I, yeah. You get, you get a lot of that. Um, you know, I get a lot of stuff on Twitter. I just get random messages on Twitter a lot where people will just find that I'm a scout and they'll send me Twitter messages. Um, you know, but scouting there's, there's so, you know, with all the, 
you know, the teams, the summer teams with all the showcases. Um, our guys down here in Florida, the scouts do a heck of a job of putting together showcases where all the best players come. And, you know, really there's three or four teams down here in Florida with all the best, you know, best guys play on those teams during the summer. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, I just got back from East Coast Pro, which is a which is a tournament that's put on by, you know, all scouts where they have all the best players from the entire East Coast. Um, so, yeah, there's some guys that slipped through the cracks. You know, Ricky, I wouldn't even say Ricky slipped through the cracks. Everybody knew who Ricky was. Um, I don't know if they liked him as quite as much as we did. I think maybe we just did a little bit better job of scouting him than maybe other teams did. But everybody knew who he was. Down in Florida, it's very, very difficult to find guys – yeah. It's, you just can't happen. Now, if you're up in, you know, other places, you know, say North Dakota, South Dakota and all that, yeah, maybe you can find somebody. But it's very difficult nowadays with the Twitters, with, you know, all the stuff on the Internet. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've, one of the main reasons I have Twitter is, you know, I'll go through and I'll look at Perfect Game and I'll look at all those things. And if I see a name that I don't know, man, I look it up. I put it into my notes and say, hey, man, I, I need to go see this guy. I don't know who he is, you know. So, yeah. you know, with everything that there is nowadays and ways to find guys and the tournament showcases Twitter, it's, 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 it's not you, – you can't – a lot of guys don't slip through the cracks anymore. Okay, so you find the kid. Yep. You go, you, go, you find him. What, uh, once you're on one, what's the next step? Who are you calling? Yeah, I'm calling my cross-checker, who is Brian Williams, and he's my regional cross-checker. And, you know, Brian will come in, and, you know, one of the great things about Brian Williams is I'm lucky to have him as a cross-checker is, you know, if I like a guy, Brian's going to come see him, you know. And I think that that's, that's what separates him from a lot of other guys is, you know, if I really like somebody and I think he needs to be seen, Brian's going to get on the plane and he's going to come see him. Um, so Brian comes down here and he'll check him out and, you know, if I like him and Brian likes him, then we'll, we'll run him up the board and, you know, we'll have a national guy come in and check him out, you know, and then those guys will come see him. If those guys like him and we think he's going to be possibly like maybe a top three rounds, we'll try to get Kip in. Kip will then try, you know, fly in and come see him. Uh, and then we got a couple special assistants that do a heck of a job. Those guys will, you know, if we think we're going to take this guy high, they'll fly in and see him too. So, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a whole progression, you know, we have to run them, you know, everybody needs somebody that's going to be drafted that high, you know, everybody needs to see them. Now, somebody that we might take after the 10th uh, and not get quite as much money to, yeah, I might, you know, I might be able to see that guy myself and be able to get him. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's why we've been so successful with the Texas Rangers at post 10 picks is because, you know, number one is Kip Fag. Kip Fag's the reason why we've been so successful post him because he trusts us, man. He says, hey, Brett, you got a gut feeling this guy. You like him. You're pounding the table for him. You know, I'm going to get him for you. Yeah. And, and that's special. You don't see that much in baseball anymore, especially the way his analytics is going. Uh, you know, you don't see that. And the reason why we've been so successful uh, is because Kip trusts us. And, you know, if we have guys that we like and we bang the table for, he's going to get them. So that's why we've been successful post him. Okay, so you kind of answered it, but let's let's break it down more. So if the Rangers are going to draft someone, if it's above ten, the tenth round, somewhere one through ten, how many people have seen him play? I would say probably at least three or four. You know, okay. if it's top three, and if it's top three round, two round guy, I'd say it's probably be closer to probably five, six, seven. Okay, so um, if you're and if you're going later, so Ricky was fifteen. Did anyone come yeah. see him besides you? Yeah, because I loved Ricky and I kept hounding him that they had to come see him. I don't, you know, I, to be honest with you, you know, Jake Krug did a heck of a job with him. Jake was, you know, now one of our national crosshair. Jake liked him as much as I did. Jake doesn't get enough credit for Ricky as as he probably should. You know, me and Jake saw him early. Jake liked him, put in a good report. I put in a good report. Brian came in to see him. Uh, you know, James Keller, who was our national guy at the time, came to see him. So we scouted him. 
Um, we had four or five guys come in to see him, probably more than anybody. Yeah, and he told me there were a couple of teams that were kind of looking at him, but it wasn't like some guys you talk to that say, yeah, every time I, you know, I had Rusty Greer on last week, yeah. and he was saying, right, right. you know, that by the time he knew something was up when he went and took batting practice, and the, the whole thing was around at his college. And he yeah, said, Ricky, I, I, you know, Ricky was kind of tough, was a tough one because I, being a being an area guy, you got to be careful because I didn't want people to know how much I like Ricky, but you know, because I wanted to get him. You know, you want to be able to go in and see him, and you want to be able to build a relationship with him. But I can't be running in to see Ricky every single start with my video camera out and talking to his parents and talking to him after the game because then everybody's going to know. It's like, hey, man, the Rangers really like this Ricky Vanasco. We probably need to go in and see him more. Maybe we need to run him up our board or take him here. So it's a fine line. You want to be able to have that relationship and you want to be able to see him enough. But then again, you can't let everybody know that, hey, man, the Rangers really like Ricky Vanasco. So tell me about a cross checker. So that's kind of – he's just a step above you and there's – right. You have a regional and a national? Yeah, yeah, a regional guy. He has about four or five states. Um, so they'll, they'll, be, they'll be pretty much responsible for, you know, all the guys that we turn in uh, that we really like. He'll come in and see all those guys, and he'll do that in every state. Where, you know, I usually turn in 50 or 60 guys a year. And a regional cross-checker will probably turn in 150. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, once those regional guys come in and see them, the very best guys off that regional cross-checkers, what we call a pref list, a preference list, he'll then be scouted by the national guys. Because, you know, those guys can only see so many people. Right. Okay. And, uh, and okay, so, uh, okay, I asked who do you tell first when you're on a kid. You, you, it's not Kip, so you tell your cross-checker. Well, sometimes it's Kip. <laughs> it, depends on, it depends on how much I like him. And Kip, probably, and Kip will probably tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a pre, kind of opinionated guy. It's probably got me in trouble a few times. <laughs> If I really, if I really, really like somebody, I'm, I'm probably speed dialing Kip probably too much. <laughs> hey, there ain't no problem with that. Yeah, you know, no, just as long as, just as long as they're good. <laughs> have, have you now? Now we kind of touched on it earlier. I guess I'll more clarify questions so you guys will understand yeah. that are listening. Have you ever found a kid by mistake? You went to look at someone, and all of a sudden you're like, "Who is this kid?" Now you said that doesn't oh, yeah. happen a lot in Florida because most people know him. But is there anybody you're like, "Whoa, okay, wait a minute." Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think – nobody on the top of my head, but, I mean, there's been many a times we went in and watched somebody – went to see somebody and somebody else popped up and said, man, hey, who's this guy, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I hate to say it, maybe Cole Wright would probably be a good one. You know, we were going in – Cole had a guy on his team that ended up going to North Carolina as a pitcher, um, and we were in there watching him, and every time we went in to watch this pitcher, Cole raked. He was hit. Yeah. So, you know, he – Again, every, people knew who Cole was. You know, he was going to Stetson, and, you know, he was on some of the, you know, the bigger, you know, travel teams and stuff like that. But, again, I, I maybe I wouldn't have followed Cole quite as much as I did had I not been going in to see somebody else. So, yeah, it definitely happens. So, uh, you know, how big is Cole? He's big, right. too. He's probably 6'2", probably about 200 pounds. He's a big kid. God, these kids today. It's a different beast, man. That's, that's di the thing. I don't think I don't think anybody, you know, I think one of the you know, when I got called up, you know, that was one of the biggest things. It's just amazing how big those guys are. And the guys have gotten even bigger now. They're all six two, six three, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, you know. <coughs> the weight lifting and the way, you know, our strength and conditioning staff is amazing. You know, they get those guys big and strong and you know, they're, they're just all – they're big, man. It's hard it, – it, you don't see a lot of little guys running around anymore. There's only so many Altuve's running around. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. I went to – so I would go out to Frisco to watch, and that's where I'd really notice it. But even at – you know, you go down and watch batting practice in Arlington. Go down and watch batting practice. 
And on TV, you're looking at this guy who's probably the smaller guy on the team or whatever. And then you get down there and you're like, this guy's six foot one or six two. Yeah, right. I mean, He's not too small. I know even, it's amazing. Even Rugi, who is, you know, but I'm about five nine. I think Rugi's probably five ten, eleven, yeah. something right in there. But he looks like he's an, an Altuve or something. But oh, yeah. Even he's Ruggie, bigger than. And Rugi's strong, too, though. You know, that's a, he's yeah. got crazy strength. Oh, he does. Okay. So I want to talk about if it wasn't a COVID, if we didn't work dealing with COVID, tell me about draft day. Are you in Arlington on draft day or are you at home? I'm at home. I'm at home. The, the cross, all the cross checkers go in. You know, some teams do allow all those guys to go in, uh, but we'll be on the phone. You know, Kip will be calling us and, uh, you know, we, we call all our cross checkers in. Now what we do is we do a pre-draft meeting where they'll fly us all in where we basically go down our whole list. Hey, this is who I got. This is who I want. This is my gut feel guys. These are the guys that possibly top three rounds. These are the guys that I really want post 10. Um, you know, signability stuff. So, hey, this guy's going to take this much money. This guy's going to take this much money. Um, we'll do that during our pre-draft meeting. But for the actual draft, we're at home. Now, during the draft, so it's going on, are you – you guys are all talking via Zoom or something like that? Or what are you all doing when you – you know, like uh, if like you've got a guy coming up, maybe you know he may not last past this round or maybe the next round and, and we're on him. I mean, obviously, there's yeah. other guys from other areas. Then they're they're saying mine may not either, um, you know, or whatever. How does that work? Right. You know, usually I'll talk. I usually talk. I, I usually am talking to Brian, and Brian will pass along the information in the room. So you know, Brian does a good job of you know having his phone with him. So if you know if I'm getting any type of buzz, hey, I think this guy's going to go here or this guy's going to go there. You know, I'll usually shoot him something. You know, I think uh, one of the things that this COVID is you know, really allowed us to do is, is learn how to do this Zoom stuff. Uh, so I do think that we're probably going to probably implement that. You know, that'll probably be something that we implement down the road a little bit better. Uh, um, so we've kind of learned how to do that, which, you know, that is what it is. But, uh, yeah, you know, I usually talk to Brian and he'll, he'll pass along the information in the room. Now how, now, how often do you make a trip into Arlington? I usually go twice a year. I usually we will have a you know we'll have like a meeting we'll go in usually in January or something, uh, and then I'll go in for my pre-draft meeting. So I usually only get to go about twice a year. But the rest of the time you're on the road though, so you're traveling. How far the yeah. how how far from your home is the furthest you go? Uh, probably about five or six hours, uh, which okay. is not too bad. You know I'm lucky. I got the I, I think I've got the best area in the country. You know I'm right here in Florida. There's so many great players. The weather's great. You know, my area is small. You know, you got guys that have multiple states where I've got, you know, basically I've got Central and North Florida. Uh, that's all I'm responsible for because there's so many players. You know, you really can't have more than Central and North Florida, maybe the Panhandle, because there's just an abundant amount of players that you have to see. Uh, so I, I think I've got one of the best areas that there is. Luckily, you know, I'm able to spend a lot of nights at home. You know, I have to do a little bit more, you know, driving to get home, but I'm able to spend some nights at home, which is a luxury that, you know, a lot of scouts don't have. Now, as a scout, are you usually allowed in a game free, or do you just get compensated from the team? Or? You know, yeah, it depends. Like, your colleges usually let us in free. A couple of colleges will make you pay. Most of the high schools make, make you pay, believe it or not, which I don't blame them because it's coming from the team, and I'd probably make them pay too. You know, that's money that they can, you know, make to be able to put back into their program. So, uh, a lot of the high schools will make you pay, and that's something that I'll just put on my, you know, my expense sheet, and the Rangers yeah. will reimburse. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I, tra I used to travel for an old job too doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, now, if so let's say you've had, what, five or six that have been drafted. When it's time to draft them, are you the guy that calls them and says, hey, you about to get called? 
or how does it work? No, I usually wait till after they get drafted because we a couple of years ago we had a guy that we were going to draft that we pretty much knew that we were going to draft, and we were about to take him in the eleventh round, and the pick before we were going to take him, somebody else took him. So I kind of usually wait until after uh, after we draft them, and usually I am the first person to call them, um, and then I let them know, hey man, we drafted you. Um, you know, nowadays a lot of the times these kids, they they most of the, especially the high rounders, they all have advisors, they all have agents, so they all kind of have an idea of what's going on. Um, you know, pretty much they know what they're signing for, and I hate to say it, a lot of times these deals have been talked about and discussed before they even happen. Right. Um, so a lot of times the kids already know. I think it's special when you get those guys post-10, you know, those guys that maybe don't know they're going to get drafted, that you've not really, you know, maybe been in a communication with them as much about the draft, and you're able to call them and say, hey, man, we just drafted you. And, you know, it really it really lights them up because, you know, I don't – maybe they didn't expect to get drafted. So I, I enjoy making those calls. So now you're, you're in the Tampa area, right? No, I, I actually live in the Panhandle. Okay, so that's yeah. – how far is that from Tampa? Uh, it's probably taking about four hours, not too about far. Four. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I, I was asking that for a reason. Do you come in and scout Tampa then? You do. Oh scout? yeah, definitely. I spent a ton of Tampa, Tampa and Orlando are probably my two biggest places that I scout, obviously. Well, I'm going to keep touch cause I, I've got my best friend in the world lives in Tampa area. Okay. We go out to swim and do that with the kids, but I'm going to come in one time and go, Hey, are you scouting out here anywhere? Do it, man. I'm going to come meet you. At, I'm going to come meet you at a game and watch you and, and watch you work. Um, Please do it. I'd love for you to, man. I'd be uh, oh, we'll go get some food after. We'll break down some players, man. That's just, that's what scouts about. Go and watch a game, and then after the game, you go eat with your cross checker <laughs> or somebody, and you break them down, and you know, and uh, shoot, that's what it's all about. Man, I, in a heartbeat, it would be a, a dream to sit down with you and go. Let's all right, so because I'd love to see what are you looking at. So what is it you like? You know, like right. Vanasco. You were talking about how his arm moved and all. That. So he hits ninety six to ninety nine now. Is it fluid? It's not. It's, I mean, he's just fluid going through. It's not like you see some guys, and it look, hands cross is one I see. Right, Looks like right. his whole body is doing something trying to get the ball up there. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, you know, everybody does it different. And I think that that's what's so special about baseball. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, that, that scouts miss on um, is everybody does it different. You know, everybody wants, you know, a lot of people want everybody to look the same way, but then you get on TV and you're watching Max Scherzer here. And then you're watching somebody else here and there that, you know, Max Scherzer doesn't have the best delivery in the world, but everything's pretty good until he releases the ball. Yeah. He's got some stuff going on, but you know, he looks totally different than say, you know, you got somebody like Soroka who's pitching over here, you know, three quarter guy who's sinking a little bit. You got two totally different beasts, you know, everybody does it different. You know, I have things that I like, Um, you know, I like, you know, I was, I was an undersized right-handed pitcher. So, I kind of know how hard it was to make it as an undersized right-handed pitcher. So I tend to lead. I like bigger guys. Um, You know, I like athletic guys. Um, You know, I think you got to be pretty athletic, especially to pitch. Um, So everybody likes different stuff, but you know, that's the best thing in the world about baseball is like everybody does it different. We can't get so caught up on looking at one certain thing and making them all look the same way. And if he's got to do this to be a starter, he's got to be able to do that to do a starter. Yeah. Can, Can the guy, can the guy throw strikes? Can he hold his stuff? he can start for me. So, you know, it's just. Oh yeah. And and for someone that's my size and you yourself aren't, you know, you're right around six foot. It's like, it's one sport. If you can play, it doesn't matter how tall you are. I mean, yeah, you, you're right. they'll find a spot. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they they're going to get you there somewhere. Somehow you hit it far enough or throw it hard enough. They'll <laughs> find a spot for you. Okay. So you right now, I, I'm looking at your, your guys. You've got, you've got Deese, you got Reagans, you got Cease and you got Venasco. 
Enright, someone that maybe is there, but you've got four or five guys all potentially these guys could be big leaguers. Um, okay. I've, Cole Enright's never been on one of my lists, but I know the name. Uh, and I've, I've, I know he – because I only go 20. That's all I go. And my deal is you could yeah. never have made a major league debut. So, that's the way I go. So, Cole's – I know I've always had him hovering right around 20, but I haven't done it right, yet. Right. So, let me ask you this. When one of your kids – and one of these, a couple of these, are probably going to do it with the Rangers for sure, um, and maybe by next year. Um, uh, what happens to you when one of your kids – gets the call. You get to they go, usually, right? Yeah, no, they usually fly us in and let us go. You know, I think, it, I'm, you know, as much as I hope Ricky just keeps dealing and keeps shoving and they, and they, and they don't have a choice but to put him in the big leagues, um, you know, I, I, I'm <laughs> hoping that – I hope that I get to go. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I don't know if I would be able to get to go right now. So, I hope that he does for him. Uh, but I want to go when he, when he makes it because I'm telling you, he's, he's going to make it. All right, I'm putting this out to the Rangers, and I go to that press box and see John uh, and see John Blake. But if that happens, you guys got to let him come in next year and watch Ricky. Pitch no doubt. Least, you know, I, yeah, you, you tell you tell Kip that. <laughs> <laughs> I well, bet Kip, Kip will be on board. I bet. Oh, I bet he would. I guess it's all budgetary and all of that. But I mean, I I would think if COVID ruins your chance to go watch one of your kids make his major league debut, they've got to make it up to you. You got to be able to come I'm next right. year. I might just get on a plane and come myself in. Anyway. There you go. There you go. Well, listen, Brett, this has been great. I've come through everything I wanted to. I really appreciate it. No problem. I, it's been awesome. Yeah, I, I, I so appreciate it. And I'm going to come out and see my buddy. When I do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up. And, and, I, I, and any stories, we'll come back on another time, maybe especially if one of your guys makes it. We're going to get right Let's back on here. And we'll do it. it. That is Brett Campbell. He's, a, he's an amateur scout with the Texas Rangers, responsible right now for some of the top prospects in the, the, on, the, on the top 30 list. Ricky Venasco, Chris Cease. You got Cole Reagans, would be there if he wasn't hurt. Deese would be there if he wasn't hurt. Um, Cole Enright, he's close. He's right there. This is a big kid. Um, like he said, Brett, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for coming well, on. We'll look at you next time. Hey, like I say at the end of every one of these that I do and everything I ever write, Nerd out. <laughs>